0: Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Aren't you glad you know him that way today? His mercy is so wonderful, his power, so great. I love so many things about him. I appreciate his power. I appreciate his greatness. I appreciate his magnificence, his excellency of glory. Yet there's one thing to me that is so true, and that is his faithfulness his faithfulness we greet you today in the name of the lord jesus it's always an honor for us to be together to the people of god let's read today from the book of romans chapter 8 if you would verse 28 and 29 and then also from ephesians 1 and ephesians 3. how many believes god has a purpose for your life Amen. i don't believe that any of us are a mistake that um, we just happen to be here, but God has a reason for us being here. I do believe Satan will do everything in his power to try to stop us from being what God wants us to be, being that purpose, and it may be a challenge for our lives to find that, but God wants us to, and it should be something in us that we desire to. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I think I mentioned to you last Sunday, I mentioned to you again, Paul doesn't say that all things are good, because there's a lot of things we go through that just flat ain't good. A lot of things that happen to us aren't good. The Bible doesn't say they are good. The Bible does tell us in the book of James that all good and perfect gifts comes down from the Father of lights, but all things don't come from the Father of lights. But this is what we love about the providence of God. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And I've told you in the original says, for whom he did foreknow, he did previously mark out copies of the likeness of the son of himself. So he marked out copies of the likeness of the Son of Himself. You can imagine you have a perfect document, and then you don't need another perfect document, another perfect one. All you need is a copy machine. So you have one, and then you make a copy of that one, a copy, a copy. That's what He did before the world began. He previously marked out copies of the likeness of the Son of Himself, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians 1.9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. That excludes the devil. That excludes you and I. Well, one day I'll do this and I'll do that. No, he purposed it in himself. That way, nobody can override it. Nobody can change it. Ephesians 3.10 to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God which is variegated wisdom of God which means different types, variegated, different types manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many believes that? Amen. How many has a need a request on your heart today? <clears throat> I'm sure that many of you have already heard and known that Sister Karen Pruitt has had another um, brain bleed and um, she's in, in the hospital and I've been getting several texts from Brother Tim this morning and they certainly want us to remember our sister today in prayer. Let's just hold these your request and this one here and the others that was read by Brother Joel before the Lord today. Heavenly Father, we are taught in your word that prayer is the way that you've given for us humans by which we can come before you. Your disciples one day said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they already knew how to pray the madrash. They knew how to pray the Jewish prayers. They knew what the rabbis had taught them. But when they heard you pray, they knew they were missing something. So they asked you to teach them. And you said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, I know, Lord, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but we know in reality it was the disciples' prayer. It was you teaching us how to pray. So we bring before you today, Father, our petitions, our desires, but you've given us the order by which we should pray, and that is we acknowledge you as our Father. We acknowledge your greatness. We give you praise and adoration. Then we lay our request, our needs, before you. Father, we're asking you today that you'd be mindful of all the needs. Lord, hundreds of hands uplifted. No doubt many people, different parts of the world, they raised their hand or held their request in their heart. Lord, we all today want to bring Sister Karen Pruitt before your throne. Father, you see this situation that's happened, and our sister, this brain bleed, and some of the effects she's still dealing with because of it. But Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go down right now in that hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana. Amen. Father, we believe your word is true. You said if any two on earth are grace touching one thing, it'll right. be done. Again, Lord, it's written you in your word. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We pray for our sister today, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the mighty hand of God move for her today. Then, Lord, here we are present once again. We have different needs in our bodies, our homes, our lives. We're looking for you today to help us. Speak to us your word. Change us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. One of our father's great gifts to his daughter in her dowry is divine purpose. I probably, if I stayed on this from now until the rapture, I probably couldn't get all of them mentioned. How great they are, how wonderful they are. The father endowing his bride, his daughter bride, Was that which is necessary to complete her journey? In his own advent to the earth, he knew by his omniscience and by his omnipotence, he knew many things about us humans. But his earthly journey declared to him even more real what humans needed in this plagued place that we live called the earth. He found out firsthand what it was like to deal in a world that is so full of darkness. And may I assume to say that it's even more so today than it was when he was here. But he knew that, so he wanted to provide everything that we would have need of. He knew that in giving us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the new birth, it would change our lives forever. He knew that it would bring us to a place that we would transcend where we were born and be caught up into heavenly places in our soul. But he also knew that new birth would not take away trouble, heartache, difficulty, pain, sorrow, sickness, and even death. So in our dowry, He has included what we need to sustain us through those things which are still yet in time. I know it may be hard for the world to comprehend. He is the king over death. He is the king over hell. He is the king over every disease and every sickness. But as of yet, that full dominion has not been totally manifested To a place that it's all annihilated or eradicated. We still deal with it. We deal with sorrow. We deal with heartache, pain, anxiety. All kinds of things as Christians. Disappointment. Sadness. And truly it can be quite challenging to let the joy of God be able to so flow in our hearts in this day. Because of all that's around us every day of our life. But we know that we have received a, de- a, down, a down payment, a deposit, as it were, of the future coming of this kingdom. The, while the stone is yet growing of what Daniel saw, we have been given this earnest of our inheritance, but the fullness will not come until the resurrection. But thank God he's giving us a portion of our dowry now which would help sustain us in this long, long journey. For many of you, it has been decades. Maybe for some, you've been serving the Lord four, five, six years. For some of you, 50, 60, 70 years of your life, you've been serving him. As you go on, you learn more to trust him, and you learn more of what he wants you to be, and your purpose as well. I love studying on the purpose of God because to me it constantly reveals itself. And it's multi-aspect or multi-layered of what God has given to each of his children. No matter if you are the very least in the body of God or if you would be considered to be the greatest in the economy of God. You have such an importance and such a value that no one else can take your place. No matter how you may think, well, really, I'm not that important. Nobody knows me. If I miss church, nobody knows I'm there or not there. That is not true at all. The Lord God has given you such a place that the greatest preacher, the greatest singer, the greatest musician could never replace you. Every individual is unique in the way that God has placed you. Now in that you have a a natural placing that is in a natural family. God ordains you to be born in the Brown family or the Reagan family or the Weber or Phillips or whatever you are. Then God ordains you to belong in a certain assembly or to sit under a certain administration of the office gifts that God has placed and set in the body. And then God ordains you to meet certain friends in life and certain people that you would be associated with. Well not you understand this, God ordained that you would be saved under a certain man. And that man would always have an influence on your life. God ordained that you would receive the Holy Ghost under a certain preacher that would place you under a certain birth path. Other men, my, you'll be so blessed by hearing them But there'll always be an association with that Through eternity Then God also ordained that you be Natured a certain way Maybe you brothers wanted to start Building when you were little And you'd take a hammer and a nail And you'd do this and that and the other Others of you couldn't care a thing about a hammer and a nail Or a wrench You wouldn't know how to change an air filter Or an oil filter That's not who you are But yet God made each of us in the way that he wanted us to display what he thought about us. And in that, all of that all comes together, of course, through the divine purpose. And then whenever we come to the divine purpose, it's more than just what we want to be. You see, going to church and sitting under a certain ministry... It's not like you picking a grocery store. Well, I like Kroger above Engle. Well, not me, I like Food City. Well, not me, I like Save-A-Lot because I like saving a lot. So I like Big Lots or I like Walmart and I like this and that. And people, if they're not careful, they pick churches and they pick preachers in the same way they do where they shop for their cars or groceries. But you see, you should pray, the prophet said, over what church you go to. Now, maybe you found it, I have not found, where he said you should pray over what grocery store you go to. But he did say you should pray over what church you go to. You should pray over what ministry best suits your needs and over what ministry and what gift would be able to administer to you and your family and the greatest aspect of what God knows that your needs would be met. Now we know there's not any one man that will be able to meet all of our needs. God will have evangelists that will come in and help us and God will have different visiting ministers that will come in. So there's not one any one certain man that will have everything that you need across the board. That's why God diversifies his gifts. And it's the same way in churches. There may be different steps that God would use this church in starting out your spiritual walk with God. Then you move from that one to another one, and from that one to another one. You may move around four or five different times before you even move to the one that God knew that you'd wind up in, and that might be the final one that you'll be at. But the most important thing is finding what God wants for your life and staying there until God gets done. Now if God completes your journey and that certain church to be there five years, you're there, you're faithful, you do everything, then you go somewhere else, well, you're in the will of God if that's what he leads you to do. But you shouldn't just move because your daddy wants you to move or your mama wants you to move. You should hear from heaven. Because you can mess up not only your life, but your wife, your children, or your husband, whatever more. So we should pray about what we do in our life. And I believe the main reason that we miss the will of God for our lives is because we listen to everybody else instead of listening to God. And many of you don't wanna hurt uh, this one's feelings or that one's feeling. Well, mama thinks I should go here. Daddy thinks I should do that. So you're more concerned about pleasing daddy than you are your heavenly father. But you should be more concerned about pleasing your heavenly father than daddy, mama, grandpa, Aunt Lucy, Uncle Sam, whoever else, it should be the will of God. And it should be the same about coming to the house of God when you find the place you're supposed to go. Now, we're not just here today to visit. Well, it's Sunday morning, and it's something that we do here. We go to church. But let me read this to you. I found it so amazing. Brother Ram said, the first place, if you want Scripture, the people are supposed to come to the house of God for one purpose. That is to worship to sing songs, and to worship God. That's the way God expects it. Now, may I just enlighten you a little bit farther that the prophet goes on to say in another place that God goes to church. And he said, God goes to worship. Oh, I see. So if God is going to worship, Now you see this will stumble you if you don't understand what the word worship means. What does it mean? To venerate, to hold a person in high esteem, to give them of your greatest and of your best. So if God meets with us to venerate someone, who is it? His bride. Now he cannot venerate the church because the church does not hold him in high esteem. So who will receive? I don't know if you remember or not, but many years ago in the marriage vows, which was written mainly by the Episcopal ministers, but it was used in the Church of England. It was also carried over when the fathers came from England here to America, not been really that many years back, that it was used in the wedding vows in America as well. Whenever they would go down through, and it's very similar to the ones that we use, which is the same one the prophet used, but they would say that I bequeath, which is the word that they use? I would bequeath, bequeath to you my goods. But also they would say, with my body I thee worship. With my body I thee worship. Now, we know that God does not want us to worship anyone but himself. But if God meets with us, and we believe that he does, then he is here not only to receive. You see, many folks who come to church, or even those who don't, whenever they get in their mind that it's all about them, many folks come to church with a very selfish attitude. And they sit there from the very beginning of the service and they see who walks out that door is the song leader, and whoa, that's my favorite. Oh, that's my favorite song leader. Well, then they tend to get in better if it's their favorite one. Well, if another one walks out that door or they see the other one sitting on the platform here going through the prayer request, well, I really don't like him as well as I like so and so. And they let that determine how much they get in service. Well, you're not really here to worship then, are you? You're here to be affected by this song or that song or who worships, you know, the worship leader or who plays the guitar, who plays the organ. But it should be that we are here to worship God no matter who leads the singing, no matter who plays the guitar, the piano, the organ, but we are worshipers and we're here to worship God. But many come with the selfish idea of being self-centered. So they go upon themselves. But really our, our purpose in life is not so that everything will be centered around us. And this is one reason why that some of the folks believe they do not even need to come to church at all. They're above church. They're beyond church. Well, you see, a person that with that mentality is a very self-centered selfish individual. Because notice how they talk. I don't need church. I don't need to go to the house of God. I don't need for preachers to preach to me. I don't need to be there. Well, you can see what it's all about. But you see, if you're baptized individually, collectively, into a body, then it's not just about you. It's about you being a part Of the body. Now, I could live without one of my eyes. As a matter of fact, I could live without both of them. But I hope and pray to God I never have to. I could live without one of my hands. I could live without both of my hands. I could function without both of my arms. I would be able to live without both of my legs or either or both of my feet was either or both of my ears missing. But do I want to? I do not. You see, when God places us to be a part of an assembly and part of a body, we will function without you. That's right, we will function without you. But you're only missing, you're only seeing part of the story in that God will hold you responsible, if he ordains you to be here and say, I don't need it, I don't need it, I don't, that's not what it's all about. It's you and I being baptized into a body, and if you're not there, the body will function without you, but someone else may have to kinda take up your slack because you decided you didn't need to be there. Now, no one can take your place, and that's a blessed thing, but it's also a thing of great responsibility. Now think of it that God ordains you to be a part of a certain assembly, and you let a devil get on you and go to separating you from that assembly, and the easier thing would be for you to just stay home. Or the easier thing would be, well, I don't need nobody, I ain't going nowhere. Oh, but you see, you're not eliminating your responsibility to God if God ordains you to be there. You'll still answer for that responsibility even though you miss from now on. You will not eliminate. Now let me show you what I'm saying. It would be much easier for me If I pastored a smaller church, it would be easier for me if we come off the internet, we shut down all of our outlets altogether totally, and I just preach to a local assembly only. I don't pray for anybody other than my church, I don't answer emails from anybody other than my church, I don't answer texts, I don't take questions, I don't do nothing except for just uh, say 25 or 30 people. Be much easier on me. I get out of the limelight, I also get out of the gunfire, I get out of all that sort of thing, and I just have this little small church, some of you would like that a lot better. Cause you see, it's not just me that sacrifices, it's also you as well. Most people want a great gifted man of God as their pastor. But a lot of people do not wanna share that man of God. They want that one that's gifted a little above the others and so gifted here and there and there, but they don't wanna share that man of God. Well, more than likely, if you have that type of servant of God, he will have to be shared. But we want something great, phenomenal, wonderful, but we want it for us and we want more time with that. No, I wish somebody would hear me this morning. (laughs) But you see, we're not just thinking then about the body. Now when we're talking about the divine mystical body of the Lord Jesus, it's not just this local assembly, but it will be assemblies around the United States and in Canada and around the world. And by that, God has so made a way in the last days, especially because of the increase of science and education and all that sort of thing, to where we're able to stream services and able to archive and YouTube and all those sort of things, There will be all kinds of people that will be benefited. Just as you are benefited, you're sitting here in service right now, Brother Tim Pruitt and them having service in Louisiana. Some of you will go back this evening and look at their service. Some of them will say our service back and forth, back and forth, and it's a great blessing. But it also comes with a shared responsibility. So when we are called as the people of God, we are not called just to live our own life. Now, no doubt for many of you, it would be much easier you just quit going to church. You just quit having anything to do with anybody because I guarantee you there's some hypocrites that come here. I guarantee you they, some folks come here and I, I i don't know, I really don't know what to think about it to be honest. But you know what, I myself, I'm not gonna stop coming to church because there's hypocrites because I would be a hypocrite if I don't do the same thing when it comes to Walmart. You see what I find amazing is that folks will quit going to church because there's hypocrites in the church and yet them hypocrites will go to Walmart and there's more hypocrites that go to Walmart than they are that come to Happy Valley. You'll go into a restaurant somewhere and a transgender will work on you and I'm even afraid to touch the napkin they touch. You'll let a homo work on you or whatever more and take your order and yet you'll sit right there and let that thing deliver your meal to you and you won't even go to the house of God because some hypocrite sits on the other side of the church. I wonder who is perverted. Well, praise the Lord. But you see, the easier thing would be just pull away from everybody, stay home, you know. Just go out in the middle of nowhere and find you a shack out in Utah or out in Nevada and just go in once a month for your groceries and you and your wife and your young ones live out there and fish and hunt and just pile up every day. Don't do nothing, no responsibility. And you actually think God is gonna let you get by with that? when all the rest of his children are fighting hell every day and you're gonna go sailing away in the rapture with all the rest of us and you sorry outfit, you're so sorry you won't even swatter a fly or a June bug and you think you're gonna go in the rapture when all the rest of us are having to fight to breathe, fight to live, fight to get up, you better wake up. I said you better wake up. We are called to be a part of a body. We are called to bear one another's burdens. We are called, listen to me, to even put up with people that sometimes we don't like. First Corinthians 12, 23, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. Upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that, oh my, that part which lacked. The word tempered there is tempered together to mix together, commingle, unite, cause several parts to combine into an organic structure which is the body, to unite one thing together. Now notice this in verse 25, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Care is take thought, be careful, have care, to be anxious, to look out for, to seek or promote one interest. So tell me how can we do that when we have contact with nobody? Tell me how in the world when people sink in their mind they can just stay home and play a tape, they really don't need nobody, they exclude everybody out of their little tight family circle, tell me how can you care for the well-being of the bride of Jesus Christ when you don't even have contact with nobody? But you and your four and no more. You know what you are? A self-centered, selfish human being that if you don't get rid of that thing you will not go in a rapture because selfishness is anti-Christ and against God. Selfishness is of the devil, not of the Holy Ghost. Now, listen to me carefully, and don't misunderstand the word what I'm fixing to say, that because of our human makeup, each of us are a dynamo, and we have the ability from within us, God-given, to be able to create certain atmosphere and we pulsate things that come out from us. And that comes from a mixture of a diet of things that we, uh, that we think about and things that we feed into our spirit. That also comes from our inherited nature. It can come from the the complex structure that we are of complexes and things that we inherited and things that we go through. But for the most part, the aura or the atmosphere that we create, it comes from the things we think about, the things that we feed on. I ain't talking about you maters and beans and taters now, but what, a, what a kind of entertainment that you have do you feed on, positive things, negative things, that each of us create or pulsate this atmosphere. Now, I hope you understand already One of the main reasons, excuse me, that we as the bride of Christ need to be changed. It's not that we need to be changed just so we will revert back to being young people. But we need to be changed to eliminate this human contradiction that we have in us that we deal with every day of our lives. Because if not, what you'd find in heaven is you'd find a little click of people over here and another little click over there and another little click over there. And you'd actually find people in heaven shunning other people. You say, why would they do that? Because they do it down here. So unless we're all changed, now you're thinking all of us need to be changed except for you, you're one of the worst ones that needs to be changed. Because the rest of us see it and you don't, you're blind on the jackrabbit. But all of us need to be changed. Well I hope you're gonna preach with me this morning. Now, what's this this sermon, blasphemous names in 1962? And this is after Brother Brandon preaches the statue of a perfect man. And you remember that sermon about the virtues of building up the perfect image of a son or daughter of God. Now, here he's going to relate to us, and I won't get into it, but just for the background, of a sister by the name of Sister Shepherd that had a dream. And in this dream, she was up on top of this mountain and she saw this man and he was bailing out water and pouring water into a rock box. It was a rock box. Now this box, he'd pour the water inside this box, but the box would not contain the water. So the water just kept bubbling up out of this box. And then she saw as the water kept coming down and it came down the mountain. Then it departed into five streams and the five streams, which was grace and Jesus and faith and all of that. But then she noticed that the messenger, the man on the mountain, he took another container and it contained honey. And as he poured the honey into the rock box, it seemed as if though that the contents on the inside would belch it all out as well. But actually the honey began to stick and line the box and then it was able to contain it. Now you're the prophet, the woman comes to the, the prophet of God with a dream and whenever she came to him with a dream, God shows him the dream in the form of a vision. Now this is the way a dream is actually interpreted. So Brother Branham is the sister shepherd tells Brother Branham the dream. Then Brother Branham sees the dream over in the form of a vision. Now he's sitting there with his eyes wide open and he sees exactly the dream. Not only does he see the dream but he sees the interpretation. Now he said here is the interpretation thereof that the rock box is the rock confession that was revealed down through every church age. And then the man pouring the water into there of course was the messenger and the water was the Holy Spirit he said and no box, no vessel can be able to contain it all So the messenger coming and by the deliverance of the word of God, then the water just kept gushing out. But the other element that was being poured into the rock box, he identified as honey. Now we all know the texture between honey and water is quite different, honey's sticky, water is not. The molecular structure of H2O be totally different than honey, so he pours the honey into the box and it is of a thicker content and it begins to calm down and it does not fold out, and he identifies the honey as brotherly kindness. Now watch this, with this background now, he says, now you might say, look, I sure don't like Brother Neville, or I sure don't like Brother Jones, or I don't like Brother so-and-so, and something like that, but you just let something happen to him, your brother, and your heart's broke. Now, he said, it just nearly kills you. We can obtain brotherly kindness and feeling for one another, see, but to maintain it in a group of people. Now watch, he tells this dream, if you want to hear this whole thing, it's on the same tape. And he tells this dream, and then he goes into the interpretation thereof, and then he comes to the application of the interpretation. So I love the way he explains this, because Brother Branham, you know, he was a very spiritual man, a very supernatural man, but he was not so supernatural that he took away the natural from the human element that remains in all of us. Now some message preachers would have never conveyed this part about their congregation, well, they're preaching a la la land or a a message Disneyland, but you might as well wake up and be like the rest of us, you got a church, you got problems. You got a big church, you got big problems. You got a little church, you got big problems. If you don't go to church, you still got big problems. So if you're gonna have big problems, you might as well go to church and just get your soul fed. So now, now, Brother Branham, in this sense, he was not afraid. He was not afraid to bring a word and show an anomaly and an example that some preachers would never use. You see, for some, they would never say it in this way that you wouldn't like brother so-and-so. They would like to let on like everybody in their assembly has perfect love. Would you care to share a few of them folks with us? (laughs) My, we'd be so happy to have them. But Brother Branham was able to liken it and he didn't feel that it took away from the water being poured into the rock revelation of the individual. Now you understand that when we receive the rock box and through the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is poured into our soul and it's gushing out. The Holy Spirit himself brings forth these attributes of temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and the brotherly kindness, the attribute that is so, needed in this day is what helps stick us together. Now the baptism of the Holy Ghost can bless us and we can sing and jump and shout and rejoice and still be lacking in brotherly kindness. We can be so anointed that we could speak in tongues and dream dreams and see visions and so on, but it will not be that water in the box alone that will help you to be tolerant and to be perseverant with the saints you go to church with. But what do you need? Brotherly kindness. How many needs a little more honey in your box? Amen. Amen. Now watch how Brother Branham relates this and he says, and a person would say, I don't like Brother Neville. But did you notice Brother Branham did not say, I don't love Brother Neville. But I don't like Brother Neville. Or I don't like Brother Jones. But then watch what happens. But something let something happen to him, and your heart's broke. Now what's the difference? It's the difference between love and lie. Now I've told you before, and I always ask a young couple this. I asked a young couple just the other day, and they said, "Well, we love one another." And you prayed about it, yeah. Revelation, yeah. And then I always say the same thing: Do you like one another? and their response is always the same thing they laugh at me. They laugh because they don't understand what's the significance of life. Well, being a pastor and having counseled many, many people for decades of my life, I have found out that sometimes it's those things about your husband or wife that you learn to dislike that can actually eat on your love and you can fall out of love with someone you're living with every day of your life because the dislikes about them become so great. Now, I hope you understand the direction I'm gonna go, that there's actually people that we can love with all of our hearts, but their humanity and our humanity just clashes, and there's things about them that we just don't like. Click. Click click. Was that internet disconnects I heard? Now I'm going to be honest today too. There's people in our church that don't like other people in our church. There may be some people in our church that don't like me. I don't know. (laughs) You're in a real fix, ain't you? But I want you to understand that there is a difference between not liking an individual's makeup and having hate in your heart. You see, the Holy Ghost will not tolerate hate. Oh, you say, I hate sinners. You need to repent this morning. We hate their sin, but we do not hate sinners. We can never help them as long as we hate them. Come on now, somebody say amen. So a person that maybe is a different personality than you and a different makeup than you, and you try your hardest to like them. Notice the differentiation I'm using. It's not that you're trying your best to love them, but you're trying your best to like them, but you and them clash so much. But now notice the prophet said, we can obtain brotherly kindness and feeling for one another, see, but to maintain in a group of people. Why do you care for that brother? Notice now how he separates it from going out to the same restaurant to eat. And y'all drive the same color car. And y'all have the same interest when it comes to naturally. Why do you care for that brother? Because you broke bread with him here at the altar as you will tonight, referring to communion. You fellowship with him. You shook hands. You worship with him. He's your brother. Now watch how Brother Branham brings different differentiation between you disliking an individual or not being able to really be close fellowship with that individual. But it's not on the basis of God's word. It's not on the basis of you being born again. Well, I know he ain't born again. You gotta be very careful here. Brother Branham is not making these people sinners. He's making them brothers and sisters, but the difference is you're hived. Come on you old bunch of badgers. It's your old hide, oh my. Notice this, and he might do something in this flesh that you would disagree with because you're kind of say what you oughtn't to do it, but. I wonder if we got any shunners here in the church. I know we got some shouters, got a few tongue speakers. I wonder if we got any shunners. No, Boy, if we got any, they ain't about to raise their hand on this one, are they? <laughs> well, I will. There's been a few folks I've been aggravated at and I've kind of shunned them. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah. oh, you had to let me go first, didn't you? <laughs> Do you always feel good about that? No. no. Why? It ain't right. Now you see, if we're not careful, we will let our dislike, or this brother did this, or this sister did this, and Satan will turn that in on us, and we'll start hating them. Or resenting them, or grow into a root of bitterness. Remember, when Paul used that word, he identified bitterness not as a seed, not as a tree, but as a root. And where does the root grow? Deep in the ground. The flesh. It grows deep and it can be buried so deep. Oh, most times it does not start with hate. It will start with, you just simply do not liking an individual or crossing an individual. And you let that thing lay there and lay there and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And brother, time you go to try to grub that thing up out of there. Man, it's that big around 40 feet long and the heart is titanium. You can hardly get it out to save your life. But if you would have called it and been able to recognize that you as a child of God, you have the ability to be able to love someone and they may not even like you, they may hate you. Or you say, I only love those that love me. Well, you are not got the Holy Ghost yet. Because if you get the Holy Ghost, you can love those that hate you. Now watch the way Brother Brennan brings it into the body now. He might do something in the flesh that you would disagree with because you just kind of say well, you oughtn't to do it, but to shun him a little. But in the bottom of your heart, if something happened to that brother, it would just nearly kill you. Now watch, this is when the honey takes hold in the rock box. Now you see, we prove whether we have honey or not. Water's wonderful, water's good. Oh, how we love the water of the Holy Ghost. But we've gotta have honey in order to be the bride of Christ as well. So the water will keep just flushing out, flushing out. The prophet said in this box that the water was flushing out trash, and he said that's what the Holy Ghost does. But the honey is able to line the box of your revelation to help you realize it's not just about you. It's not just you and your wife and your three or four children. I don't need nobody else. You're out of honey, brother. You're out of honey, we need brotherly kindness. If we are not supposed to be around one another and fellowship with a body, why do we need brotherly kindness if it's you living on Mars and you live on Saturn and you live on Pluto? Why do we need brotherly kindness? Because we're gonna go to church for some folks that do not, that have not, that will not reach perfection until their bodies are changed. Notice, we're not talking about loving God. We're talking about loving our brothers in spite of their faults. Mm -hmm. Sweet Jesus. Notice this, I'm an old man. I was once young and now I'm old and I've seen it down to the age do that. Here people say, well, I just won't have no more to do with him and something happened to that man and it nearly kills him. He thinks, oh God, I let my precious brother go without making friends with him. You see, it's a brotherly love. Now he goes on to say, it looks like it won't hold, but it does. Now he's likening that to the honey in the vision, that it looks like it won't hold. What stresses our honey? It ain't those that's sweet to you. Some of you got a spiritual sweet tooth and you only wanna be around them that's got sweet like you are. But I'll tell you, when folks sometimes, brother, sister, when folks need love the most is when they deserve it the least. That's when God gave it to you and I we deserved it the least and that's when God in his abundant mercy gave it when do many times people need that display of the honey of brotherly love not when they're so good and not when they're in harmony with the word and in harmony with the body but whenever they're trying to kick up trouble and cause this and that and the other that's when they need prayer Can you imagine us as individuals, as the people of God? We've laid our hands on the sick and they've recovered and we'll continue to do so. We've prayed for folks with cancer and seen God heal them. We've seen our Father do all kinds of miraculous supernatural, but I don't just want miracles. I want brotherly kindness. I want temperance, I want faith. I want goodness. I want these attributes of Father God, I want the honey. So in the revelation, my, we so brag about how much revelation we've got. But do you have honey in your revelation? Oh no, well my revelation tells me I don't need to go to church no more. Well your revelation is wrong and you're empty on honey. Because a real revelation will never go contrary to God's word, how can God reveal to you? You don't need to go to church no more when the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and that much more as you see the day approaching. Well, so and so goes to church and they hurt my feelings so they might need a little bit of your honey, honey. They might need a little bit of your sweetness, or you can treat them sour and act like a lemon. Look, we're not serving key lime pie, we're talking about honey in the box. It wasn't a lemon in the box, it wasn't a lime in the box, come on, somebody. It wasn't a persimmon in June, but it was honey that kept and it, locked up that box, and it slowed down. Oh, sure, we can run and jump and shout and be emotional when the Spirit of God is falling. I like to see how them folks do when their feet quit jumping off the floor. I like to see how they do when they quit hollering. How much tolerance do they have for those that may not worship like them? How much tolerance do they have for those that may not like them as well? I'll tell one thing they're a bunch of devils. You're out of honey. God fill the honey pot. You thought it was just Winnie Pooh that liked the honey. Oh no, Pooh, you need it too. I ain't talking about Winnie Pooh's honey, I'm talking about this honey right here. Listen, friend, I'm not telling you something to make your life, if we don't have this, we're not going into rapture. Amen. This is part of the bride's vision. Now this woman, she's had this dream, she lays on the dual the prophet said, because she was wondering if she had the Holy Ghost or not. And God gave her this dream, oh my. You see, brotherly kindness helps us to deal with those around us who are imperfect the way we are. It helps us to deal with folks who have a very strong pulsation of an atmosphere that can be sometimes very unpleasant. But it also helps us to deal with the world. Knowing how to reach out a loving hand and still yet not compromise. To be able to preach things that are true and yet hug the neck of those that don't obey it. Come on now. We can preach truth, oh sure, but I wanna see how you handle people that don't accept the truth you preach. Do you love them or do you act like God and say well they're serpent seed if they don't take you don't know who is and who ain't. Neither do I. I'd rather be found guilty of offering people mercy when there isn't any than the other way around. If God offers people mercy who am I to say they can't have it. Come on church. But you see we need more of the honey of brotherly kindness. What a likening to. You imagine what a thing that God would take. A symbolism of honey on the earth and yet be able to like it. Many scriptures of course in the Bible about honey, but applied to a spiritual thing. What does it do? It will stick you and your brother together. You imagine your brother relating such a thing that something would come up. Well, I don't like brother so-and-so. I don't like sister so-and-so. And yet you hear some fatality happen. Now if your honey is missing and you hear, well, they, they pull out in front of a car. Serves them right. They've done this and that and the other to me. You see, now you're showing you don't have the honey in your box. Oh, you jumped and shouted and praised God, hallelujah, and this and that and the other. But if you've got honey in your box, this will be the reaction that you'll take. Oh no, oh no, not my brother. Not my brother. You see, those who have that get even attitude are still selfish and self-centered. Watch this and show us the Father. You are a creator yourself. A miniature creator. Listen, did you ever see people that was nice people? Mm. Well, Though you just couldn't be around them hardly. Well, Something about them. Ooh. You, you just couldn't stand. Well, probably, well, right. hey, wow. Sinking creek couldn't be no quieter than this this morning. <laughs> Did you ever see people that you just love to be around? Did you ever see them kind of people? That's the atmosphere they create themselves. So now we go from one extreme to another to folks that you really just don't like being around, and then you go to other folks to where you love to be around them. And Brother Ram doesn't say, well, one's a sinner and one's a Christian. One's got the Holy Ghost and one don't but he brings it back to the creation that they themselves create, which is what? Their atmosphere. Notice again he said, did you ever see people that you just love to be in their presence? There's just something about them that just radiates. Oh my, just radiates. That you just love to talk to them and other people who are nice people Yet, we don't say this unkindly, but you just can't hardly stay around them. Now, they're nice people. It's not that they're ungodly, heathen, you know, atheistic, and all that sort of thing. They are nice people, but there's something about them and your atmosphere that so clashes. It's because of the atmosphere that you create. For you as a son of God are a miniature creator because you are part of God, again in love. Now I wanna ask you something, let's lay our collars down just a moment, or a minute rather. Did you ever see a person that's a good person and you think they are nice, but there's something about that person you just don't like to be around them? Well, thank God we got a few more rights left. The amends are all gone. <laughs> now he says, certainly you do. And then you've seen people that you just love to be around. What is it? It's that creative power that's upon the people. They create an atmosphere where they're at. So then self-centered people, they say, oh, there's getting more people I don't like. I don't like them. I don't like them. I think the best thing for me is just stay away from everybody. Self-centered, selfish individual and remember if God allotted you a portion to be a part of us of just this assembly since i'm preaching to you all this morning then God will hold you accountable because you never fulfilled your part you think it's over just because you simply make up your mind i'm not going back no it's not over at all you see if God ordains you to come here and be a part of this assembly and to help me pray for me and say amen and back me up. And then something happens that comes between either me or you or somebody else here in the church and you just decide, I'm leaving. You know, I make up my mind. You're still responsible to be one of my helpers. Well, you think I changed my mind. Just because you changed yours don't mean God changed his. Well, praise the Lord. You see, friend, it is a great thing. But what's, what's easier? Certainly it's more easy to just pull away from everybody. Just pull away from everybody. Live your own kind of life and just don't get around folks or pick your friends, just pick all them friends. But have you ever noticed as hard as we try to pick our friends, there'll still be ones come around us that we really don't jive with. Wonder why that is? It's your daddy. Your daddy knows you need more than them good little sweetie pies that you love so much. You're good little chummy chummy chums and y'all just hang out, boy. God knows you need somebody that'll rub you the wrong way. The Bible tells me a brother is born for adversity. Jesus said, don't think I've come to bring peace, nay, a sword. Wow. Can anybody say, preach, Brother Donnie? Now, you've seen people that you just love to be around. Yet, they might not exactly be in your bracket of society. They might be of a different race the color, or the brown, or the yellow. But there's something about that character that you just love to be in the presence. Now look what this will do when there is an affinity between us. If a man is a black man and there's another man that's a white man, so it's not the race. It might not even be the same type of food. It might not their authenticity. But what is it about him? Mind that they just love, it, it crosses racial barriers. And there might be someone that's of the exact same race and they're from the south and you're from the south and they're from Atlanta and you're from Atlanta and you're born about the same time and this and the other and you can't get along a bit more than nothing. So you see, no matter how many things that we look at are such positive, which would be positive attractants, there's something about the clashing of the atmosphere. And if we're not careful, we will tend to write those folks. Oh, well, they're nothing. I'll tell you one thing. They don't set me. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'll tell you one thing. I pray the wrath of God come down on them. Watch it, James and John. Amen. There's only two sons of thunder. They ain't no more. Amen. Or can the honey run out of our revelation, which ain't, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How would Jesus do this? I was thinking about it yesterday, the excuses that people use for not coming to church. People don't like me. People haven't spoken to me. People have called me names, you know, just a bunch of those things. And I was thinking about the Lord Jesus, if he would have surveyed all that before he'd come to the earth. People don't like me, people call me names, people's out to kill me, they're gonna do this and that and the other. And he just started looking at it and looked at our excuses and said, I don't believe I'll go. I'm sure glad he didn't. That I want to be the type of Christian that when he calls me to live this life, if he calls me to be a preacher, if he calls me to be whatever I'm supposed to be, that when they do the same things, less in number, of course, than what they did to him, I will not let them hinder me any more than he let them hinder him. But I'll say, well, I know so-and-so don't like me and this and don't like me, but I'm going right on anyhow, hell because I am a son of God. That's the way the Lord Jesus behaved and that's the way I'm gonna behave. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I don't seem so and so. No, don't do that, but what would Jesus do? It takes more than wearing the braces WWJD. It takes more than having the app on your phone and something a reminder. You've gotta have that inside of your soul and that honey flowing out of your box. It cannot come from me, friends. It cannot come from the prophet. Notice the honey was not flowing out of Brother Branham's box. It's your box. Notice each person is a little dynamo of their own. And you put out an atmosphere, and then you see people that were noble people. Noble, notice how he's describing some of these now. Nice, pleasant people, noble people. But you were always glad to get away from them. Don't nobody move now. Y'all just act like you're innocent, okay? and I'll bat my eyes and jerk and twitch because I'm guilty. But if we're not careful, we want to climb right up on the judgment seat and judge that person for something funny about them. Something wrong. And yet you get your feelings hurt if somebody says that about you. I wonder if you're only getting what you've sowed back. You judge and judge and judge and judge and yet you get your heart broken, your feelings torn to pieces if you hear somebody judge you. you. What else do you expect? When you judge, you are going to be judged. Why? You sow judgment. Well, glory to God. Help me, Jesus. Amen. Some of y'all sitting there judging me right now. What in the world is he doing, doing this way? Well, I kind of wondered the same thing. Amen. But Brother Jim forwarded me an email this week from somebody wanting not say where they go to or what their name was or where they come from. But they was talking about how they'd listened to last Sunday's sermon five times because what the was preached had so applied to their heart. I thought about writing back Brother Jim and say round two again this morning. <laughs> I didn't know why, I didn't see the need. It don't make no difference where I know it or not. He knows it. Somebody apparently needs to hear round two again today. Well, I'm one, Lord, and this one may be, and that may be, pour it in, Lord. Oh, my. Notice this, you were always glad to get away from them. It's just they create such an atmosphere around where you are. Nothing against them. They're nice people, but you just don't like that atmosphere. They, they're, they're in and their character creates whatever they are and makes them what they are. Of course, it makes it difficult whenever they're Christians and you go to church with them and they can sense you're wanting to get away from them. Come on, don't act like we're all blind. I've got to go, I've got to go. See you, see you, see you. But Satan will tell them, you don't like them. And then Satan will tell them not to like you. And then if you sing specials, the next time you get up, they're going to sit on you. And they'll sit there and do what we message folks do. Sit there and look with their head down. Uh Uh-huh. I've had preachers come here and said to the church and I'd have to correct them on something they said wrong, they sat in the church and pout on me while I was eyes up preaching. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Well, you prove it, you big baby. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, I hope this this morning, if the Lord sent us this sermon I hope he's got a big heavenly tanker sitting here this morning full of that honey, don't you? Because it sure sounds like we all might need a little dab or a big dab. What about it, Happy Valley? We want the anointing, do we not? We want the Holy Spirit so gushing out of us that he cleans out everything that's unlike the Lord Jesus But then we want him pouring the honey in the box so we can pray for those that despitefully use us. And when someone does something against us or says something against us that genuinely from our hearts, we can get down on our knees before the Lord Jesus and not because we know we're supposed to pray for them, but from our hearts. Pray for them. Hmm. Well, I just barely got started this morning, but I think right now would be a good place to stop. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder how many in the visible visible audience here today You say, the Lord spoke to my heart today. I need more of this honey in my life. Just raise your hand to him. What about those of you streaming the service, those of you that'll go back and archive it, there in your office, in your car, wherever you are. I know we might not consider this very deep. It must have been pretty deep for God to show this dream to a sister and God would let on his prophet's heart to interpret it for us. And he would use this as part of his sermon entitled Blasphemous Names. You see friend, we don't wanna say I'm a message believer. Oh, we make fun of the Baptist Church of God, all this, that and other, because they've laid their, their blasphemous name on, let us not be of the same kind of people. Oh, I believe the word and then live another life. Don't make the term message believer a blasphemous title. But let's be what we say. Let's live what we say. And if we don't have it today, let's ask God to fill us. In my heart, I've wondered and pondered how Brother Branham could be so hated and so despised and so rejected and yet pray for people and love them and go right on. You Imagine he attended a meeting and he's supposed to speak there. They wouldn't let him walk out on the platform. He was back behind the curtains of the stage. And a man got up and announced, Brother Branham was not able to be here tonight. They lied on him to try to hurt his influence. You imagine Brother Branham could have called their name. He could have sent that reverberation around the world. What'd he have? Not just gifts, not just discernment, but honey in the box and what's the honey for it ain't for you and angels it's not even for you and Jesus it's for you and your brothers you and your sisters sometimes it seems like it won't stick but it will it'll stick oh brother Don does that mean that everybody from today on that, that atmosphere will be gone it does not it does not mean that at all It simply means God wants us to know how to deal with it in the Christian way. Let me just tell you, friends, there will always be folks that you'll never feel the same around as you do others. But from your heart is where God wants you to love them, from your soul. Lord Jesus, I raise both of my hands. I have to be honest before you and before these people. I Lord God have felt the same way they have I cannot keep from believing that when you were here on the earth you allowed yourself to feel similar to us to be able to relate to us you never sinned you never done wrong of course we know that but you must have allowed yourself to feel this type of shunning and this type of feeling that you didn't want to be around people that would run you down. I imagine the scribes, the Pharisees, those who hated you, and you would see them there in the meeting, and they'd cause to display the last time they were there. No doubt as a man, you allowed yourself to feel that something. Get back at them. So you'd be able to know what preachers feel like when they get in the pulpit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have our boxes gushing with water but penetrated with honey. Honey that'll make us love our sister, which she's talked about us and we don't even know why. Honey that will help us to love that brother that runs us down and says terrible things about us, trying to ruin our reputation and our character. Help us, Lord Jesus. May the honey hold. Why do we need it to hold? The honey will hold until the body change. Temperance is a part of our dowry. We need it to the body change. Forgiveness, patience, tolerance, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. Forbearing. It's all there to help us in our journey. Because once our body is changed. We will no longer struggle with such things. Oh Lord Jesus help us today I pray Father. I pray you would let this go deep down into every soul. May it enlighten us on how we're to react to one another that. Retreat one another like Christians. No doubt there's people we'll never be compatible with. I know there's preachers that more than likely I'll never be best pals with. I don't like their makeup. They don't like mine. My atmosphere's different from theirs. But help me, Lord, that I won't shun them. Help me, Lord, that I'll never let a root of bitterness or anything grow up in my heart against anyone. Help me, Jesus, that I can love the way you do. Oh, Lord God, help me that I can pray for those who despitefully use me. Those who have hurt me the deepest, Lord God, that I can look at them and not feel hatred, but empathy. Because that's the way you did. Even if they don't ask me to forgive them. Lord God, when you were hanging there in your human body on the cross, you never waited till those Roman soldiers and the priests and the Pharisees asked you to forgive them. But you said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Why? The honey was still in your box. Lord, let my box be filled with so much honey. Lord Jesus, I want to lay my hands on the sick and watch you heal them. I want to cast out cancer demons and watch them tumors dry. I want to lay my hands on crooked eyes and watch you straighten them out. But Lord God, I want my box to be full of honey. And maybe only you and I will know This certain, certain person said this and this, and it was so cruel, and it was so wrong, and lies. But you'll hear me pray in secret. I may not even tell my wife. I may not tell my daughters, my family. But you'll hear me. And that's the reward that we want anyway, Lord. We don't want our righteousness put on display as a bunch of Pharisees. But Jesus, would you pass by this way today? and fill our boxes, our revelation, with honey. May it be so pure. This honey is not made by bees. You know I like honey, Lord. I like the kind that comes from Canada. The the kind that's real white and creamy, unlike anything we have here. Lord, the orange blossom honey. One of my favorite is the Locust blossom from over in the mountains of North Carolina. But then, Father, from Brazil, and so many different types of honey from around the world. But none of that will do what we're asking for today. This honey had to come from the very heart of God, for the honeycomb was the heart of deity. And you spun this from your own creation, Father. To give it to your children. Help us today, I pray, Father. May we stand our feet. Hallelujah. You love Him with all your heart? Brother Bram says it this way. Jump down there to the paragraph. 209 of oneness in 1962 by one spirit we're all individually baptized into one body collectively so it's not just you individually you're baptized into the body collectively now listen what it does and jesus christ living with his spirit in our flesh is serving the church. So how can people who don't believe in church fulfill this quote? Totally impossible. What is it? A self-centered, selfish life. Well, I only go once a week. I only go once a month. That means you're missing the other parts and it also means you're robbing us. Oh, you're going to plan trips. You're going to have vacations. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about you just decide, I ain't going. I don't want to go today. I don't need to. Once a week is enough for me. And what if you was going to be the very ones that was going to help pull on me and make such a difference in that service? But you decided not to. So instead, I had to not only preach, but I had to carry the load of trying to deliver that sermon because you wasn't here to help me. Amen. Yes, it's not multiple choice, friends. You were baptized individually by the Holy Ghost and collectively we were baptized into this body. Amen. Praise God. Don't you love him with all your heart? Amen. As Jesus Christ living with his spirit in our flesh is serving the church and doing the same things he did as a sign An end sign to the world that we're in the last days getting ready for the rapture. Oh, I love him. Don't you? Let me read one more and then we'll let you go. A person who lives their life. Listen to this. Who lives their life for their self. Lives a selfish life. We must live for others, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we've got to have a feeling for one another. And therefore, when you do all you know how to do, I love this, when you do lay down at night, well, you have the consolation knowing that you have tried your best. I can't make everyone believe that's impossible. Jesus couldn't do that when he was on earth. And I know there will be just a few that believes. But if anything I can add to the help the gospel, that's my duty of being here. It is to try to help somebody along the way. And Happy Valley said, praise God. How many wants to be that type of a Christian? Don't just come to church while well, I've come to get this and I'm this and I'm that. No, friends, get in your mind. You are coming not only to get, but you're coming to be a part of the service. I'm going to pull on the gift of God. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to sing. I'm going to worship. I'm going to make it easy on the song leader. I'm going to make it easier on the preacher. I'm going to pull. I'm not just talking about people that scream the loudest and holler the loudest. Some of you remember several years ago, I was preaching a camp meeting in North Carolina and there was a brother there from out of the country and I preached for 15, 20 minutes, something like that. He kept getting louder and louder and louder. He got so loud, I finally had to just call his hand. I didn't want to do that. I hated to do that. But I saw it was hindering so many people around him. And that brother was being so blessed. He was so caught up. And he wanted to speak to me after the service and apologize. And he said he never meant to hinder the service. He was so rejoicing in what he had to say. But his rejoicing was so over the top, he was hindering other people around him. They said, what do we do? What is that? That's us being able to sacrifice and realize, I feel like running, I feel like swinging on the chandeliers. But there might be people around you that's scared of people swinging on the chandeliers. They're afraid you're gonna fall on them and break their neck. So what do we do? We find the balance in all things. You understand? So it's not everybody jumping and hollering and screaming, but it's you pulling. Any preacher knows. Whenever you preach, whether it's at home or whether I'm preaching somewhere else, and I'm into it 15, 20 minutes, I find those that are pulling. I can tell by their spirit. And there's a, I don't know how to explain it to you. I've had it since I was just a boy preacher. But there's a line in between you and them. Everybody else can be dismissed and go to the house. You can preach the rest of the sermon because you've got them it. And the more of them you've got, the more God will say and the more God will do. The preacher don't bring this on his iPad. He don't bring it in his briefcase. It's a correlation of the gift in the pulpit and the gifts in the pews. And the more honey you got in your box, the more honey I got in mine, I figure the sweeter we're gonna be. Can we give the Lord Jesus a hand today? Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sing something, Harry. Something sweet. Oh my. May God help us. I pray this will be one of those life-changing services to us. That you'll never get away from it. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus. I don't don't think we've got this course, but
1: if you know this, help, help me sing it.
0: Lord Jesus.
1: Who will be Jesus? Yes, Lord. To them, yes, Father, who will show the love yes, Lord. that restores them again. Yes, Lord God, they do not need a judge, they need, they need a friend. the kind they buy and sell. But her thirsty heart is searching for a love that will be true. The Savior cries for her to see himself. And flow
0: through me. Amen.
1: Let's just take the, take the word. Let's go, go forth and live it. Amen. Let's sing this flow through me, Holy Spirit, as you're, as you're dismissed tonight. Remember the service is Wednesday. I will be your house to dwell in flow through. See you.